So happy third Sunday of Advent. And uh, as a kid, I was uh, like this time because we were getting uh, the, the more candles that were lit, and <laughs> we were getting closer and closer to uh, Christmas and presents and things like that. So we're getting closer uh, to the nearness uh, of the coming of of Jesus, huh? Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, wrote a book many many years ago uh, called uh, "Surprised by Joy." Surprised by joy. So this uh, joyful Sunday, I thought I'd maybe reference it. Surprised by Joy is a story about how late in life he was a, a like a professor at Oxford and uh, unmarried and. Late in life, he met this American woman, a divorcee, who come over to England with her, uh, her uh, young son, uh, to live and work, and they fell in love. And he was just head over heels in love with this lady, and they got married. And he adopted the boy as his own son, and uh, and then shortly after they got married. Uh, she was diagnosed with cancer, and she had a long illness, and she died. And he was uh, just broken, bereft, in agony, as he would say, uh, to have that much love and that much joy come and then have it taken away. It was hard for him, as it would be for anyone. Uh, but he had a son now, and uh, the two tried to work through their grief, and. Uh, one day, uh, they were out walking, and the, uh, the boy said to his father, to C.S., he said, uh, why fall in love at all if it hurts so much? Why fall in love if loving hurts so much? That's a really good question, huh? That's just how we're wired, but... Why fall in love? It it hurts so much. And C.S. thought about it, and and he said, you know, a man has uh, two two choices to make in his life. Yeah, as a boy and as a man, the boy will choose safety. And the man will choose suffering. He was the the suffering now is part of the happiness then. That's the deal. Boy chooses safety, the man chooses suffering. And embedded in the happiness and joy we experience is always a seed of suffering because you cannot love without suffering. If there's no suffering, it is not love. And everybody here who loves knows that is true. And everybody who loves and loves the way Jesus loves has had their heart broken or will. Embedded in the joy we experience and the love that we share is always the seed of suffering because this is love. This is love. This is what Jesus does. And we are called to do it. 
As children, we choose safety, but as men and women, we choose suffering because that is the only way to love, huh? It's beautiful. It's beautiful now. <clears throat> Think about John the Baptist. John the Baptist who, when he was in the womb of his mother, danced for joy at the nearness of Christ. Jesus in the womb of Mary coming into his home and he there in the womb of his mother experiences the silent communion with the Savior and dances for joy. Embedded in that experience of joy was the suffering that was to come. You cannot love without it. So here's John suffering. And he has this interesting thing he tells his disciples to do. John tells his disciples to go and ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? You think it was John doubting? Some scholars think so. But don't you think more likely? Because the precursor, John, has to decrease so the Lord increase. So John, who knows he's about to die, has to take care of his disciples. So what does he do? He sends them to Jesus. Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? John is taking care of his disciples by making sure that they follow the one that he has followed. He's saying, you can go now. I'm, we're done. I'm done. You need to follow him. So they go. John, who is in the prison of Herod, who is about to die, to the sound of revelry and merrymaking in the palace upstairs, sends his disciples on their way. And they go to Jesus, as they've been instructed, and say, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? And Jesus says, tell, tell John what you see and hear. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers cleanse, deaf hear, dead raised, poor no longer poor. So they go back to G they go back to John and say, "We saw, we saw an old woman, a blind old woman, looking at her hand like it was a diamond reflecting the sun, crying, and she said, "I can see through my tears. I can see through my tears." We saw a crippled grandfather bouncing his grandson on his knee. We saw a leprous wife kiss her husband. We saw a deaf boy snap next to his ear and jump. We saw a dead girl get up and serve her family breakfast. We saw the poor who were no longer poor. When we embrace the suffering of love, we experience joy. And when we experience joy, we also embrace the suffering that is to come because when we love, we invest in the lives of other people. You think about your own life. You think about the wonderful things that happen in your experience, in your marriage with your children, 
and your jobs, your vocation. And it's a joy. Life is a joy. But because it is your life, and because it is a joy, and because it is the great adventure of your existence, you will have your heart broken. To experience in your life, not just the joy, but those experiences that are so painful. People get sick. People die. Children get into trouble. Children leave their faith. Things happen in a world we can't control. Our health fails. Our marriage fails. We lose a job. Our bodies begin to betray us. Because we have experienced joy, we will also experience suffering. My parents, married now, almost, I forget, uh, 65, 66 years. And I asked them many years ago, if you know all you know about your marriage and about us and your life, and you can't change a thing, if, if you did it over, you would have to do exactly the way it turned out and go through exactly the same things. Would you still choose to do it? And without hesitation, they said, of course, because that's what love is. That's what life is. Joy and suffering make up our existence and make up the great adventure and, and tie us and bind us to the fruitfulness and destiny of the cross, huh? Yeah. You'd all do it again, wouldn't you? Have your hearts broken? You would, wouldn't you? Because you're in love. Now, there's a, there's a poem written many years ago by a professor of mine at seminary. It's called The Man Who Was a Lamp, and it's about John the Baptist. The Man Who Was a Lamp. And it's a long poem, but there's a, there's a part of it <clears throat> that, is, that is interesting huh? uh, to me. And I tried to memorize it and think about it sometimes. And, but it's set on this day uh, when the disciples return and tell John what they have seen and heard. The deaf hear, the lame walk, the blind see, the dead are raised, the poor are no longer poor. There in the dungeon. But above, Herod, panting, promises half his kingdom to his daughter if she will but dance for him. And John says to his disciples, surely she will ask for me, because what am I but half a kingdom? I can denounce a king, but I cannot enthrone one. I can wash a soul in sand and water, but I cannot dress it in white. I can devour the word of God like locusts and wild honey, 
but I am unfit to tie his sandals. I can condemn sin, but I cannot bear it away. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then they hear steps and armor and impotent swords clanging against wet, dank walls as the soldiers descend into the darkness. And coming upon John, they push the disciples away, and the soldiers see there in that dark cell, a cell radiated from a light that comes from with John, within John, who was the lamp. And John smiling and laughing and dancing, dancing to a long ago memory of that joy and dance he did in his mother's womb at the presence of the nearness of Jesus, his Savior. He danced. In his suffering, he danced because that lamp was in love. The man, the boy chooses safety. The man chooses suffering. The suffering now is part of the happiness and the joy and the dance then because we are in love and we would have it no other way. John was the lamp and he is gone. Who now will carry that light? <laughs>